We're going to be in Matthew chapter 6 this morning. We're continuing in our series on the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, we just finished chapter 5 last week. We were looking at Jesus making some statements that when he made those statements would have been surprising to the listeners. They would have been astonished at his words. The passage uh, tells us at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, they were astonished at his words. He spoke as one having authority, not as the scribes and Pharisees. And we've been mentioning over the last couple weeks how there was really a pivotal point during the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5 where Jesus is going to instruct the listeners that I tell you in verse 20, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. And uh, as you remember in the last chapter, chapter 5, Jesus would share six different statements. You've heard it said, but I tell you. You've heard it said, but I tell you. And uh, Jesus is continuing this great sermon as we jump into chapter 6. And Jesus is going to continue this theme of, of our practicing of righteousness, our desire to honor the Lord from the heart, not just from the exterior. And he's really going to jump to the heart of the matter in chapter 6 when he begins to instruct those that are listening and those that were hearing him about their relationship before God, their relationship before the Lord, that they would be focused not on people or exterior compliments or exterior prestige, but they would be focused on having a right heart for the eyes of the Lord. And that's what we're going to see this morning in the passage. So jump to chapter 6, Matthew chapter 6. We're going to be reading verses 1 through 4, and then we're going to jump down in the passage to verses 19 through 24. And so we're breaking up this text, this chapter, a little bit different this morning. But Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 1, follow along with me here as we work through God's word. Jesus is speaking and he says, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For, when you, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. So that your giving may be in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. Jump down to verse 19. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Uh, Here in this passage before us, I pose the question as far as for a title, if we were to title this message with a question of who do you serve? Who do you serve? And we could answer that question a lot of different ways. Uh, For many of us, and I would say for most of us, maybe one of the strongest battles as human beings that we face in our daily living, day in and day out, is the temptation, the desire, the preoccupation with ourselves. We are so good about caring about ourselves. 
And many times that care for ourselves or the desire for ourselves to look good, appear good, and to receive good is that which even goes beyond our caring about the things of the Lord. And Jesus is going to set things straight here as it relates to the desire that we should have for him and to serve the Lord. And so what I'd like to do this morning as we examine this passage is just point out a few challenges and truths I think that are necessary for us, and then I want to wrap up by asking some pointed questions about our lives and for us to be honest before the Lord this morning. First point I want to make this morning, I believe this right out the gate in verse 1, is that we must live and serve for the eyes of the Lord. Would you say that with me? Live and serve for the eyes of the Lord. Uh, I remember when I was in high school, uh, there was this beautiful young woman named Shoshana Bungard. That's my wife now. But I remember when I first saw Shoshana, I was just like at a stance and I'm like, man, who is that, right? And, and so I remember when I was in school and in high school, any good thing that I could do to get her attention was going to be done. And so there were times that I would be doing something that was good to do, but I wanted to do it at precisely the right time that she would see because I was trying to get her attention. I was trying to get her affection. I was trying to do things for her eyes to see. I didn't really care about what my buddies wanted to see or what anybody else wanted to see. I was really focused on making sure she saw the good things that I did, whatever that may be. Uh, We know what that's like when we have in our heart, in our mind, a preoccupation with a desire to show forth to someone that we care for what we are capable of doing or how good we are at something. As kids, it's the eyes of their parents. Uh, If kids are playing sports and they're on an athletic field and they're going to do something or they do or accomplish something great, what do they immediately want to do? They want to look and see, did mom or dad see what I just did? Because they want their approval, they want their love, they want them to be proud of them. Uh, We have our one daughter that ran yesterday in in cross country and she finished and immediately she wanted to call us to tell us what happened and what went on and all all the detail about that. There's this desire, right, on our part for the people that we love and care for that they would see us and what we do and how we do it. Here's what's very interesting about what Jesus says in chapter 6 of Matthew, verse 1. He says, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. He says, beware of this, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Jesus is establishing a very important point. And I think it's a point we must get this morning. That you and I as children of God, as followers of Jesus Christ, should be living and serving for the eyes of the Lord. For his glory. For his approval. According to what he or his standard. And not for the eyes or approval of men. The passage begins with an unspoken expectation. For the life of the believer. He says, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people. See, Jesus doesn't begin the passage in chapter 6 verse 1 by saying, hey, listen, listen up. Uh, I want to challenge you first. Practice righteousness or live rightly or do the things that are approving and pleasing to God. He doesn't begin with that, that command. He begins by saying, beware of practicing your righteousness for the eyes of men or in the eyes of other people. It is a given 
an expectation that is given without even having to say it or command it, that if we are followers of the Lord, we should be practicing and living out righteousness in our living. Now, the word that's used here for this area of righteousness, it means integrity, virtue, purity of life, rightness, correctness of thinking, feeling, and acting, that which is acceptable to God. And so Jesus establishes this as just a given that you will be practicing righteousness in the way that you live. But as you do that, Beware that you're not doing it for the eyes of men. The same word that Jesus uses here for practicing your righteousness is the same word that's used in 1 John 2.29 where John writes, If you know that he is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him. You see, there's this expectation. This is a given for the believer. If you are born of God, If you are born of God, if you belong to God, there is an expectation that you should be practicing righteousness in the way that you live. Uh, We had a really pivotal moment in our family this past week because our youngest daughter, Leah, uh, started kindergarten. And so now all four of our children are in school all day long. It's a very pivotal moment. The, the, The home is empty during the day because all the kids are in school. So we came to this point where they're all in school. We did that once before. And when that happened, like immediately after that happened, we had another one. And so I think at this point, everybody's out and it's staying that way. Okay. <laughs> but, but I remember, and it's fun to reminisce. It's fun to reminisce that when the kids were, were babies and, and what they were like when they were babies, even back to when they were newborns. And when you think about newborn babies in the hospital, um, they don't do a whole lot. There's a few staples that, that newborns do. They cry, uh, they eat, they cry when they want to eat, uh, they dirty their diapers, and they sleep. And that is about it, right? If they're a newborn and they are a newborn that is, that is healthy and that is doing what they're supposed to be doing, they eat, they sleep, they cry, they go to the bathroom, and they do it all again, day after day after day. If that is not happening with a newborn baby, something is wrong. Something is wrong if that's not happening. Uh, That is a given for these babies. It's a given for all of our children that this is what's taking place. Why do I share that? Because it is a given, the passage says in 1 John 2.29, if you are born of God, you will be practicing righteousness. It's a given. And if that is not happening in your life today as a child of God, something's wrong. There's not health present there. It's a given. You see, Jesus says this, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen of them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Now, we can stop right now and ask the question that probably would challenge all of us as we leave from here today is the practice of righteousness occurring in our day-to-day lives. Are we living rightly before the Lord day in and day out in our lives? As we look back at the past week, the past seven days, our testimony before those that we work with, our family, our neighbors, our friends, co-workers, classmates, would it be said of us that we were living righteously because we've been born of God? Would that be seen 
is our marked life by this. If you're a child of God, if we are children of God, it should be marked by this. Now, as Jesus speaks about this living righteously, living rightly, and he, and he addresses this matter of practicing righteousness, in chapter 6, verses 1 through 18, Jesus is going to specify about living righteously in three different areas. He's going to talk about giving, which is in verses 1 through 4. He's going to talk about praying in verses 5 through 15. And he's going to talk about fasting in verses 16 to 18. And so Jesus is going to speak about when you practice righteousness, you don't do this to be seen by men or for the eyes of men, but you do it for the eyes of the Lord and him only. But he's going to break this down in three ways, giving, praying, and fasting. And this morning we're going to focus in on verses 1 through 4, this area of giving, and we'll be coupling that with the verses we read in verses 19 to 24, where Jesus addresses our hearts in the matter of giving, money, what we treasure, and how we go about living in that regard. And so we'll get there in just a moment. But understand, as we begin chapter 6, Jesus is addressing a very real and important point. That when it comes to living rightly, when it comes to practicing righteousness, which should be true of every believer, it should be a staple of every believer, our living, our serving, our practicing of righteousness should be done for the eyes of the Lord and not for the approval, recognition, or accolades of men. And this, if we're honest, this is probably a struggle for every single person that is a follower of Jesus Christ. Because we, left to ourselves, in and of ourselves, would be all about ourselves. And apart from Christ, that's all we would be about, if we're honest. But here's this, this caveat to this. Here's what I want to challenge us with. I don't know where God has called you to serve. I don't know where God has called you to be used for his glory. I don't know what God has put before you by way of your abilities, your talents, your gifts that he's given to you, the influence that he's given to you, the possessions that he's given to you, the wealth that he's given to you, the relationships that he's given with you. I don't know where all God has blessed you and what he's blessed you with, but I can promise you this. If we are seeking to use whatever God has given to us, blessed us with, gifted us with, given us the talents to use, if our attitude and desire in exercising those gifts, in exercising those talents, in exercising the wealth and possessions that God has given to us is for our glory, we are in wrong position before God in that. God has not given us what he's given to us to make ourselves great. God hasn't given us what he's given to us to make our name great. God hasn't given us the talents, abilities, and gifts, the possessions and wealth that he has given to us. If that's you, and he's given that to you, and he's given that to me, it is not for the purpose of everyone looking at me and saying, how great is he? It's for the purpose of his glory. It's for his eyes, and his eyes alone. It's for his purposes, his cause, his service, his glory in his glory alone. And listen, I, I want to caution us for a minute because it is a dangerous thing if God has blessed you with material blessings, physical blessings, talents, gifts, and abilities. And if our attitude is, let me make my name great, we are robbing and seeking to rob the glory that is due only to the Lord. And so Jesus addresses this and he says, when you practice your righteousness before other people to be seen by them, you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. We should be living and serving 
for the eyes of the Lord. Our motivation is to glorify the Lord, not to glorify ourselves. Someone has once said, the love of honor is the deadly bane of true piety. Other vices bring forth evil works, but this brings forth good works in an evil way. When we are seeking honor for ourselves, rather than the good of others in the glory of God. I remember when I was in college, I worked at Eckerd Drugstore as assistant manager, and we had a dress code at Eckerd where we had to wear a blue polo shirt and khaki pants. And so the dress code specified you had to have a blue, blue polo shirt, khaki pants, it had to be tucked in when you were working, and um, you, know, you had to clock in, you had to be there on time when you were scheduled to work, when you were at the front desk, if someone was checking out or whatever, you were supposed to be, you know, yes ma'am, no ma'am, thank you, you're welcome, be, be you know, hospitable, and you were supposed to be polite, um, you, know, you were supposed to look presentable. And, and I remember the, the store I worked at, there were college students, I was a college student when I worked there, college students that worked there, high school students that worked there, um, all different ages that worked there, uh, but we had people in there, and on a day-to-day basis, nobody had their shirts tucked in, um, people had like blue, they were supposed to be blue polo shirts, and people took a lot of liberty with that, because they were supposed to be like dark blue shirts, but like there was every kind of blue, like every kind of blue was in there, shirts on talk, some people would be wearing like t-shirts that were blue, it wasn't even a polo shirt, it was supposed to be a polo shirt, and, uh, and people would be at the front desk, and sometimes the people at the, at the front counter register would be leaning like this, you know, or they, like, I remember some of the college students and high school students would have books up because they'd be doing homework at the front, at the front and all this other stuff. But I remember uh, every year when I would walk into the store after I was done with classes because I was in college and I would walk into the store and when I walked into the store, all the shelves looked neat. The people at the front that were at the cash register had a blue polo tucked in. They were standing there. The manager would come from the back and they looked sharp like they had the apparel on and they were talking to customers. I was like, oh, corporate must be here. And they would be there because corporate would visit like once a year. And when we knew they were visiting and when they were coming, everybody followed everything to the T because they wanted to appear for the eyes of those corporate regional managers as having everything precisely as they were, it was supposed to be. And then when they left and their visit was over, everything went back to normal. Like everything just went back to like business as usual when they weren't there. But when those people, those individuals would come whose opinions mattered, Everything changed. Everything was precisely as it had to be. Why do I share that? Because I believe in many ways that's the attitude so often in a very bad way that believers take as it relates to our service unto the Lord. Depending on whose eyes we are doing it for, we either do or do not follow what God says. It's easy, isn't it, to put on that appearance when we're in church with God's people. To care about looking like a Christian when you're with other Christians. It's easy to give glory to God when everybody around you would say amen and say yes, absolutely, give glory to God. It's easy to talk about the greatness of the gospel of Jesus Christ when those around us agree on it. What about when no one else is looking or watching? Does it still matter then? Does it still matter that no matter if they see or not, you are still a representative of Christ? Employees at Eckerd Drugstore were still employees of Eckerd Drugstore representing that company, whether the company heads were there or not. What about us in our walk with Jesus? Do we consistently, daily live for and serve for the eyes of the Lord? Because this might make you feel a little bit uncomfortable, but it's reality. His eyes always see. 
and his ears always hear. There's never a time that we are not fully exposed before our heavenly father. And so we should be serving and living for those eyes and for his glory. Number two, Jesus is going to go on here in verses two to four to talk about giving to those who are in need. He says thus, verse two, when you give to the needy. And again, this is the same situation as we saw in verse one. It's not if you give. There isn't instruction here where Jesus stops and says, listen, first of all, let me remind you guys, you should be practicing righteousness. No, he says, when you practice your righteousness, it's a given. Here, when he talks about giving to those who are in need, he says, when you give, not, let me stop for a minute. Everybody listen up. You need to give to those who are in need. No, it's a given. It's, it's, Jesus is speaking about this as though this should already be something in our heart and mind, that we give to those who are in need. He says, when you give, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give, again, it's a given. It should be happening in the life of the believer. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. This is continuing again the same thought where Jesus said earlier that when you practice righteousness, you don't do it for the eyes of men. You do it for the eyes of the Lord. Well, now he gets very specific about giving. He says when you give to the needy, because it's a given you should be seeking to meet the needs that, that of those that have needs, that if you're doing this in a way that's honoring to God, in a way that's glorifying to God, in a way that would invite the blessing of God, then you should not be sounding a trumpet before everybody for them to come and see what you're doing. Uh, I, I immediately thought about, if you've ever watched the State of the Union address, they have everybody in the, the chamber and everybody's talking and everybody's laughing and everybody's doing everything. And there comes a point in time when the president's going to enter the room and they have someone there and it, it's, it's always funny to me when I see it and they stand there and they get everybody's attention and they're like, Madam Speaker, ladies and gentlemen, they say this and they say, the president of the United States of America. And everybody like, it's not everybody, but a lot of people are pl applause. They're clapping, right? Because all of the attention... All of the attention and focus is centered on the president entering the room. And then it goes through this whole process of shaking hands and people who want to be on the camera that the president likes me. And then the president gets up there and then again they announce the president of the United States. And everybody, you know, from their party applauses again when they get up there. Everybody, so other people are just like, no, like they're standing there. But all the focus and attention, that's immediately what I thought of when Jesus says, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet. Don't draw all the attention to yourself and look at, look at what I am doing and have done. You have your reward. Isn't it on some of us sometimes too? On the good that we do to be seen by men? Now, when he says, when you give to the needy, this phrase here and the, the understanding of this, this refers to, and some translations say, when you give alms. And the word there that's used for it refers to any act of mercy or pity, but it has been primarily used of giving money, food, or clothing to the poor, providing for those that legitimately have needs. This is a given, again, for the believer in Jesus Christ, an expected act of living for the believer in Christ, that we would be giving to those who are in need. And can I just say for a moment and pause, aren't you thankful today to know that God gave greatly to meet the need that every one of us had? As those that were completely spiritually bankrupt, in need of forgiveness, 
in need of salvation, incapable of doing anything for ourselves that our heavenly Father gave in our greatest time of need. And isn't that what he modeled for us and what he's called us to as children as well? This is seen both in the Old Testament, Leviticus 25, Deuteronomy 15. It's seen in the New Testament that God desires his people to be people who are giving people, who meet the needs of those who have legitimate needs. Now again, scripture would call us to use wisdom. There are principles in scripture. If a man does not work, he should not eat. There are principles in scripture about working hard and providing not only for yourself but your family. And so there are principles in scripture with wisdom that certainly we need to follow and use. But this should be a given in the life of the believer in Jesus Christ. Meeting needs. And God's desire is that when we give, when we practice righteousness in this specific area of giving, we would not sound a trumpet. This should be the case not only within the church but outside the church. When it comes to this area of giving those who are in need, it's expected. It should be done privately, quietly, not for the praise or eyes of men, but for the praise and eyes of God. It's a given. And so as we look at just those first two points, that we're to be living and practicing righteousness for the eyes of the Lord and not the eyes of men, and we should be giving to those who are in need, again, for the eyes of the Lord and not for the eyes of men, we probably could stop there, and that's an awful lot just for us to take this week, isn't it? Quite convicting, I know, for my own life. But the reason we want to continue on in verses 19 to 24, because Jesus continues this, I believe, same train of thought, because he mentions resources and wealth again, but he also mentions motivation of the heart again, and where the desire of our heart rests and lies in verses 19 through 24. And so look again at verses 19 and, and through 24. Jesus says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I think the third point I, I want us to see in this text is that we are to focus on the treasures of heaven rather than the treasures of this world. We're to focus on the treasures of heaven rather than the treasures of this world. Giving to those who are in need is very difficult when we feel like we have to hold so tightly on to everything that God has blessed us with, isn't it? Giving to those who are in need and for the eyes of the Lord is extremely difficult when all that matters to us are the treasures of this earth rather than the treasures of heaven. And so Jesus continues this, this thought and he, he reminds those that are listening and those that are hearing that we should not be holding so tightly on to those things that will ultimately be destroyed. There's a prohibition here and there's a command here in verses 19 through 24. The prohibition is do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. The command is lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. I wonder are we obeying and following those prohibitions and commands? Have we obeyed and followed those even in the past seven days? And this command and prohibition just makes sense, doesn't it? It makes logical sense. Jesus says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Jesus is, is reminding them that anything that this world offers by way of material possessions, they're temporary. Money's temporary. Riches are temporary. Possessions are temporary. Homes are temporary. All of the physical things that this world offers are temporary. We understand this. We, we know this. 
Have you ever had a clothing item that was like your go-to sweatshirt or go-to pair of jeans and then it gets a hole in it or a stain on it? Because possessions corrupt, decay, get destroyed. They lose their luster. That's why we need to accumulate more. That's what Jesus says here. He says, don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. Don't make your motivation and priority your striving after the things that are temporary and only to be destroyed. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. You know, there are countless examples that we can point to uh, from history and even in the present of people who thought they had everything all figured out Security in their job, security in their wealth, security in their home, security with whatever, and you name it, and in a matter of, of moments, all of it is gone. Everything's gone, everything changes, just in a matter of a, a moment, because we ultimately have no true control over the things that we possess in this life. And so Jesus says, do not lay up treasures that ultimately don't matter in eternity, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. It's a reminder of heaven. Just think of heaven for a minute. If you're a child of God today and you have been a recipient of the grace of God, you know Jesus as your Savior, just take a minute this morning and think of heaven. The absence of any pain, sickness, heartache, death, perfection, the glory of God, the presence of God, the absence of sin, paradise. What really matters there? How much money we have in a bank account? What kind of car we drive? How big our house is? What kind of clothes we're wearing? I think I can say with certainty we will not be preoccupied with the things that matter so much to this world. Are we striving for the things of eternity? What is of eternal value? The word of God, the souls of men, the glory of God. These things will last. These things should be of greatest value to us. Jesus says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. He goes on in verse 22 to say, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? You cannot serve two masters. When commentator explaining and noting verses 19 and 21 says, the heart is the eye of the soul through which the illumination of every spiritual experience shines. It's through our hearts that God's truth, love, peace, and every other spiritual blessing comes to us. When our hearts, our spiritual eyes are clear, our whole body will be full of light. But the same would be true that if what our eyes, our hearts that illuminate our living, are filled with, are the things of this world, the darkness of this world, the temporary things of this world, then all that we do, the motivations of our hearts, the inclinations of our hearts will be done for that which is perishing rather than that which is eternal. Jesus says, if your eye is healthy, your whole body is full of light. He clarifies, he's speaking of who or what we're serving from the heart. We cannot serve 
to masters. Our living and our pursuit and focus of heavenly treasures rather than earthly ones reveals who it is that we truly serve. And that brings us to the fourth point, our final point today. Clarify in your living who it is you truly serve. Clarify in your living who it is that you truly serve. Verse 24, Jesus says, no one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Again, Jesus is is relating this reality of where our treasure is, there our heart will be. And he's indicting those that would be holding so closely and tightly onto the possessions of this world, the wealth they have in this world, the money that they have in this world, the possessions they have in this world, the good that they have of this world. And he's calling on them rather to prioritize the things of eternity. Give to those who are needy. Serve for the eyes of God and not the eyes of men. Hold lightly to the things that are perishing and the things that will ultimately decay, the things that could be broken and stolen of this world, and hold so tightly on to the things of eternity. Pursue the things of eternity in our speech, in our actions, our words, in the motivations and inclinations of our hearts because we cannot serve two masters. Many are trying to. You may be in this room identifying that you are a child of God and in the process of doing that, still seeking to make yourself your master. Still seeking to make your name or my name as an individual living great. As a follower of Christ, that should not be true of us. Let's be honest for a minute. The reason that we are not quick to speak the name of Christ in conversations with those that are lost is we care too much about people who are going to respond or think about us. And so when the opportunity comes to preach the gospel or to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, we get worried about what are they going to think about me? What are they going to say about me? How are they going to treat me? What is that going to mean for me? And instead of laying up for ourselves treasures on heaven and seeing the eternal souls of men, we care so much about the accolades of men in this life. It's why we cling so tightly to that which God has blessed us with because we want to have the appearance of just having more, period. And to give it away to meet needs for the glory of God might mean I'm not seen with such prestige and honor in the eyes of men. We need to clarify who we are living for, who it is that we truly serve. Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, he must take up his cross, deny himself, and follow me. If you're trying or if I'm trying to store up treasures on earth, if that's our motivation, if that's the inclination of our heart, then we equally cannot be truly storing up for ourselves treasures in heaven. We cannot serve two masters. If you're a child of God, hear this this morning. If you know Jesus as your Savior, hear this this morning. You know that the Lord has asked for and demanded of you as his child obedience, righteous living, not in your own strength, but in the strength that he gives. We should be imitating our Heavenly Father. Clarify, church, in your living, in your speaking, in your giving, in your actions who it is this day that you truly serve. As we close, let me throw these four questions up. You can throw them all up there together that I want us to go with today as we go from here to consider before the Lord. Number one, are you living and serving 
for the accolades of men or for the glory of God? Can I just ask, are you serving in any capacity? You've been given a gift to use for the glory of God and for the edification of the body of Christ. Are you serving? And if you are, can I ask, is your motivation and heart in serving the glory of God, the eyes of God, or the glory of man in the eyes of men? Is it to make your name great? Or is it to make the name of Christ great? Are you giving generously to those who are in need? What does God want you to do this week in meeting needs? How has he blessed you? And how can you in turn be a blessing? Not for the eyes and glory that comes from man, but for the eyes and glory of God. Number three, are you more focused on the treasures of this world or the treasures of eternity? Let's be honest about this. Why do we wake up every morning? For another dollar? Or for the glory of God? Where's our focus? And are you clearly modeling in your living that you serve the one true and holy God. Do others know? Can they just simply not ignore? Your master is the creator and sustainer of the universe. And you are making much of his great name. Let me pray with us. If you're here this morning as a child of God, you need to understand you can't do this in your own strength. It's only through the strength that God gives. Might we depend and rely on him? If you're here this morning and you don't know Christ as your savior, you can't do this, any of this, apart from Christ. But you can know him today. The word of God tells us if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you can be saved, forgiven of your sin. Before you leave today, see Pastor Steve who was up here this morning. Come see me down front. See someone that invited you that has relationship with Christ about how today you can know Jesus, and follow him. Father, thank you for your word. Might we be faithfully living, Lord, for your glory, for your eyes, for your great name and not ourselves, because you are worthy. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.